2: Hey, Dax. What up, butter? Ah, I'm chilling, bud. I'm excited for today's guest. You want to know why? Why? Because this is show... First of all, Dax, we're for people that are just... Dax can't see me right now. I'm laying down right now because my back <laughs> hurts. So I'm just laying down talking to Dax. But uh, I'm excited for today's guest because this is someone who I just think has had an interesting career in Hollywood. And it's also someone that we reached out to, and what happens is we reach out to their camp or people who we think are in their camp, their publicists, or they say they're their publicists or their managers or their marketing people or somewhat, and they say, I'm sorry, this person will not do your podcast. But then we find out these people don't even work for the person or worked for them 10 years ago. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's, it's it's just such
2: bullshit dude Like well, i that's... like
0: I, I like when we get in touch with the celeb themselves and they're like of course i would do your podcast you guys are awesome of course and i'm like see like why do we have to play this like crappy game in hollywood of like let me go to the gatekeeper the gatekeeper says no we go directly to the person they're like absolutely and so we but then we look like the dicks because we went around the gatekeeper like I don't care. Like, just ask your client. Take take opportunities to your client. That's all I ask for.
2: Yeah, be the uh, – don't be the anti-publicist. Be the pro-publicist. And I forget if we were even going through the publicist, but it was just such a – it was so much work. And then we finally got in touch with the right person and then became so easy. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited to have this person on the podcast. The person is – Ross Matthews. Uh, Again, Ross Matthews, here's why I'm interested in him. He's a person who started as an intern, just like we did. We did intern jobs, but also, you know, just by kind of putting himself out there, he's gotten to meet a ton of people and not only just interview some of the biggest celebrities in the world, but become friends with a lot of them. And I just think it's an interesting story you know and uh in some ways I feel like I grew up with him because I remember when he was the intern on the tonight show with Jay Leno and we'll get into that and uh I'm just excited to talk to him and hear and learn more about him uh you know what do, you, do you agree with that Dax or no You're just yeah yeah
0: no I, th- I think he's <laughs> super talented I think that he you know he kind of burst onto the scene and he's one of those people that he gets on every show like yeah. everyone wants Ross on their show he's a great personality and he's fun to watch and he's just good TV. So, you know, I, I kind of want to know what it like, what's the magic for him on landing yourself on every show? Cause that's not easy. Like yeah. for people that are not in LA and are not going out for TV shows, like, it's not it's not an easy gig to like keep landing stuff and he, he he does it. He's got the magic, so I'd like to ask him about that. Didn't you
2: do a show with him or didn't you record some stuff with him? Yeah, yeah I'll,
0: I'll remind him I'll see if he, he remembers. I, I did like a, a test audition for a show here in Hollywood. I didn't get the gig <laughs> 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 but but I did uh, I did do it with him and I loved it. I had a, a really good time, so I'll bring that up with him. Yeah
2: so Dax tell us about uh, Ross a little bit.
0: All right, so our guest today is an author, a podcaster, television personality who has start, who started out as an intern for The Tonight Show for, with Jay Leno, which led him to covering some of the biggest events out there, such as the Academy Awards, the Olympic Games, and so much more. You've seen him on tons of shows like Celebrity Fit Club, The View, Chelsea Lately, RuPaul's Drag Race, and
2: many, many more. Ross
0: Matthews.
2: So, uh, Ross, let's start with this. Obviously... You look amazing, you look good You're, you like you don't just you look great. I didn't think you were like you look good before, but you look great you you, you got a, you got like a good like color to you, especially in the New York snow. how do you feel i mean how did obviously you lost a lot of weight you lost over fifty pounds during quarantine yeah, how did you do it exactly
1: well i i uh I just wanted to get healthy you know I turned forty one this year and in in covid my mom passed away when it was just awful and you know we we're so close and so I just was so sad during this time because not only losing her, but like, it's just been awful. Everyone's just been going through it. And I just decided that I wasn't going to lose everything during quarantine. I was going to try to gain something. So I tried to gain my health and I've just been trying to be smart about it. And I feel great. I feel proud, you know, because every, if you ever struggle with your weight, it's like uh, the first thing people see is like, Oh, well there's wrong. You know, he's put it on and, you can't hide from it. So there's always like a little bit of shame. Anybody who's ever struggled with it gets that. So right now, I just feel proud. I want to keep it together. I want to, you know, I don't want to be a mess. I want to look good what? and feel good. Well, you look good. What what worked
0: for you? Like, you know, everyone always talks about dieting, exercise, like what works for them? Everyone's always struggling to find the answer. What worked for you?
1: Shame and looking at my <laughs> naked body in the mirror. No, uh, cooking, cooking work for me because I love food, you know, and I don't want to give up food. So it's about trying to find ways that, um, things still taste good. But, uh, you know, I met with a nutritionist this time. So I learned about food. I make these videos on my social media called recipes where it's all about trying to make food taste delicious, but be good for you. So that's what it was. It's just taking the reins. And you know, that's what felt good because we can't control anything these days. It's sucks and so this i found i could control and that's uh that's been empowering blah 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 enough about my body no people don't <laughs> care but,
2: but what was the craziest thing you've tried to do to lose weight have you done <laughs> any things but i'm sure you've tried some stuff in the past what's uh, the, the craziest thing that you've tried in the past
1: do you remember that show celebrity fit club yes I with do yep. yes yes yeah. So they asked me on like many seasons, this was in the early days when I was just starting on TV and I was like, no way I'm not doing that. And then they said, Oh, by the way, it pays this much. And I was like, what day do I show up? I had no money in the early days. I wasn't working, no contract. I just was, you know, still in college. And I literally got on that show and like starved myself for the weigh-ins and, you know, kayaked against DeBrat and Screech and, you know, Tried to like be, you know, not embarrass myself. And that was the worst diet in the history of time. But I did it and I lost weight, but it was bizarro. Who was the craziest I mean, person
0: that's... on that cast, by the way?
1: Reach by far. <laughs> was, the, was... But, What was he like know, behind
0: he... the scenes when the, the cameras went off?
1: Well, he wasn't great in front of the cameras. And then behind the cameras, you know, I felt kind of bad for him. He had a lot of rage in him. And I think it's because he really resented. I'm not speaking for him, I'm speaking of my interpretation of him. You know, he grew up as Screech, so he grew up the laughing stock, right? The, the dork one, not the hot one, and mm-hmm. and the one that maybe even when he stopped being Screech, I think maybe he was a punchline whenever he went into a bar or something like that, you know? So he had this, like, thick skin that the world was against him right away. And I always kind of felt bad for him, but, you know,
2: he wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> how, how was that experience overall? Did you enjoy doing that show? No. Or-
1: No, I didn't enjoy that. It was terrible. It was, you know, it was like, one, I was being weighed in on national television where I was like insecure about my body. Two, like it was early in my career. So these people were like Screech and Maureen McCormick and Tiffany and, you know, they didn't really know who I was. So it was like Celebrity Fit Club and Ross. So it was like, one, I didn't belong Two, I didn't want to be there. Three, it was like an unhealthy way for me to lose weight. Um, but I just did it for money. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, that's, what do you mean? Really lie? I had no money. It was early in the career. They offered a TV show. I was like, okay. In retrospect, I wouldn't do it again. But you know, it was nice to be able to pay my rent. But what if
0: the money was good? Would you do it again?
1: Yeah. Well, we now now we're talking a different level of good money. Okay. Right? It depends. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> he's by coastal now. Okay.
2: It's, uh, he's got he's got some bills to pay.
1: Well, so. almost twenty years in the business, you know it's it's a different it's a different beast. But back then, I mean, I was brand I was just graduating college. You know, this is two thousand three or something. You know, I just started in two thousand one on TV. It was a different
2: time. But here, let's so let's start from that experience. Was your goal because you started? You know, I think everyone got to know you as an intern on the on tonight show with Jay Leno. Was your goal to be on camera, or did that just fall into place?
1: No, it was always my goal. I mean, ever since seven years old, people say, What do you want to do? I said, I want to interview celebrities. I used to watch Regis and Kathy Lee back in the day and just think, That is the job, man. I mean, they just sit there and talk about their day and then talk to famous people. Sign me up. Uh, but, you know, I lived up, I grew up in a little farm town. It's like a gay cartoon version of a human being. I didn't know how to get there, how to do it. So I just, uh, you know, 30 seconds after I graduated high school, I left in my Ford Tempo and I went to college outside LA and then senior year, lucked into an an internship. I worked for free. Um, And when I was there, I had to deliver mail, blah, blah, blah. But I went to every person, you know, from the producer to a writer to the person that pushed the button. So the curtain opened and said, how does it work? Tell me, because I love television. I love the puzzle pieces of how it's put together. Uh, and that's what's fascinated me always being a comedian ugh, not so much it's not even my thing i you know i still don't consider myself that being a host making television that's what i love
0: so was it jay or was it the producers that like saw something in you and were like we need to get you on camera
1: well, I think at first it was a, a producer uh, and a writer. They uh, had it was my last day of being an intern, and I actually I write about this in my first book, bestseller, no big deal, man up, where I would uh, I was in charge of getting lunches, and I would always steal uh, an extra hamburger and like hide it behind a plant and then eat it later, and um, I thought I was getting in trouble for that, but in fact, a comic had dropped out of covering the Ocean's Eleven premiere. And they brought me to the head writer's office and they were like, you know, someone told us you're funny. One of the writers and producers I had talked to, they said, you know, who's funny is Ross in the hall. They said, we want you to go cover it and talk to George Clooney and all the stars. And I said, what do you want me to ask? And they told me whatever comes into your mind. And I thought I can do that. So. I just went and did it. And I remember thinking, oh, this is how it's all going to start. You know, and now it's uh, nine over 19 years later. Wow.
2: Did you write your own questions for that? Like, oh, yeah. one, Or did, were and you just going to wing it? And it wasn't
1: writing. It was about like, OK, just trust my gut. You know, I have an encyclopedic knowledge of pop culture. So whoever came up, I knew who they were. I knew what what they had done, who they were married to, who they dated. And so I just thought, think of the camera as your best friend and talk to it. Make it laugh, you know. And so
2: that's. This is how it started. That's awesome. So, how long were you? So, that was the last day of your internship. You get that first on camera interview and you get to do it. And then, right there, did you become a paid pers- person for the show, a paid staff member? How'd that work?
1: Uh, so, that was December 6, 2001. And then they said, you know, before that aired, uh, they said, we want you to do another one. And then, before that one aired, they said, we want you to go to the 2002 Winter Olympics in uh, Salt Lake City. So, I was like, well, I have to ask my professors. and. So, you know, they said yes. And I was there covering the Olympics while like doing papers and sending it in. And then I got back and I covered the Oscars and then it became a thing, but it took about two years, maybe three years before I got a contract. So, you know, I would get paid like after scale once I joined the union and I would call them and be like, you know, rent is due. Can I do a segment? And they would let me. And the producers really took, Debbie Vickers was the executive producer and she was so wonderful. She really took me under her wing. And and at one point they said, Ross, you know, can you wear something a little nicer? And I was like, uh, "Can you pay for it?" So she gave me. Cause I'm like, "Bitch, I went to Old Navy. I got this on clearance, and this was a a splurge for me." So she gave me a little wardrobe budget, and then eventually I got a contract, and then that's when I, you know, that's was when it really took off.
2: So what was your title?
1: Well, it was correspondent, and correspondent. then eventually okay. I, became a, a, I became a creative consultant on the show, and so I did that till the end of it. I was there until the very end, until Jay, when he left to the 10 o'clock show, I went, and then when he came back to the Tonight Show, I stayed until the end.
0: Wow. wow. Well, one sec before mm-hmm. we keep going. Are you close to your router? Your Your video keeps freezing.
1: So here's the deal. I have a... I paid for the really good internet and they they're fucking me and I don't know why it's not working. And then I'm using a hotspot now. So the, gotcha. the hotspot is unden—is is undesirable, but the, um, regular Wi-Fi is unreliable. Gotcha. So I, I'm okay. sorry. No,
0: no, no. All good. I just was going to, I figured I would ask.
1: Thank you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. No
0: worries. No, I no. 40 minutes. With it them is today. all good. All right. So, during your time there, which celebrity do you feel like you became the closest? with? Because obviously you're interacting with all these celebs on red carpets and, you know, at, at Jay's show, who do you feel like you became closest to?
1: Um, well, I mean, a couple, um, Rosie O'Donnell was always so great to me from the first day. She like asked to meet me in her dressing room and then just has always been she continues to be a great friend we just facetimed the other night and then i always loved going paltrow and famously that story is in, in my book people know that story where uh i met her on a red carpet and i just always wanted to be her best friend and i gave her my email address and the next day i got an email from her and we emailed back and forth for like six months before we went to our first lunch and And at that point, she had become a friend. We had talked about losing our fathers and uh, really about real deep stuff, almost like a journal entry. But when I sat down, I was like, oh, my God. It's like I I forgot you were Gwyneth Paltrow. And she said, give it 10 minutes and you'll be over it and i was and so we're still we're still great friends i love her she people give her so much shit but she's really real deal good good person the
0: the thing about her is i think she gets like she's kind of in on the joke of like the goop and how like crazy it is and the vagina smelling candles it's like i think that she is brilliant you know what i'm saying like she gets the the joke and and keeps it going to her advantage
1: yeah, I don't know if there's even a joke anymore because I think that company is worth like a billion dollars. So it's like, but because <laughs> it, these
0: right? half these products are kind of like, they're kind of crazy, like a vagina-smelling candle. Like you kind of have to be in on it if that is your candle, right?
1: Well, well, honey, it's not my candle, so and I don't want that candle. So, but yes, I think she knows how to make noise.
0: Exactly right? that. That's what I think. It's the making noise. It's making headlines. It's making yourself even more profit at the, in the at the end of the day.
1: Exactly. I mean, she's just done it and she she's brilliant. You, when you meet her, she's just so on top of it, so smart. And she's just kind of good at everything, which is annoying slash completely inspiring. Cause I want to be like that when I grow up.
2: Yeah. So so you're actually so you're on the tonight show, you're you're a correspondent. Were agents and managers reaching out to you then, or were you represented yeah. at the time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It took about a year or so, you know, right when I came back to the Olympics and, and then what I think a lot of people thought, and maybe even people on the show thought, oh, this will be a fun gimmick that'll run out. But to me, I was like, no, this is the start, you know? And, but I knew I had to do more than just, just that show. If it was going to have any longevity, I, I needed them to not call me the intern forever. Cause I was, you know, like getting, getting to my late thirties, I was on the show and they were still calling me the intern. And then I knew I had to start doing some other TV shows. So part of that was the Fit Club show, and then I started on Chelsea lately and doing the red carpets. And that's when things really changed for me. That's when it went from Ross the intern to like Ross Matthews, and and publicists started knowing me and trusting me, and that it that was going to be solid. So then I started getting great big interviews, Um, and then you know that's that was the shift for me. And
0: you've done like you've been a panelist on so many shows. So like what what do you feel like is the trick to to really lock those gigs down because you clearly know exactly what you're doing
1: well i think you have to deliver i think you you have to be it's just like any any other gig in the entire world right you have to be on time you got to be easy to work with you got to be nice to everybody and you got to be you have to deliver i think the reason i keep getting hired on things is because i'm never a problem they don't need to worry about me they can sort of they say oh ross is here check we don't have to we don't have to check on him nine million times. We Don't have to produce him too hard, and uh, you start getting to know all these producers in the industry. And then they just they produce that show, and then they hire you for this show, and then they hire you for that show. And and I think that's how it works. It's just about breaking and improving yourself.
2: Do they ask you to like agree? Is it is it with you know you're on a panel? Is it smart to agree with everyone or disagree or stick to your guns? Like everyone's saying yes just for TV. Do you want to say no? Like how does that work?
1: I don't think about it. I just say what I think, right? And so I I think, of course, it's better when people disagree because I think contention is way more interesting than consensus. And so, um, but I I don't produce it like that. I wouldn't give a critique, like on Drag Race, for example. If we're all praising one contestant, I wouldn't give a poor critique just because I think the show needs – to have a differing opinions it's it's got to be authentic at the end of the day you can tell when you're watching something it's not authentic it's i i roll all the time i hate watch tv all the time because they make some real shitty tv but when it's good when these people mean it when they're authentic i think that's great tv
0: what, what's yeah. the what's the show that you cringe watching the most
1: uh um mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say um <laughs> uh, but I mean, I watch them all. I watch I watch a lot of really, truly shit TV. And,
0: I, I, but yeah, I mean, we all, don't we all? Oh my God, of course. We all have those shows that you just watch. You're just like, how is this thing on air? Like, I don't even understand.
1: It's these like, you know, competition shows where it are, they're so cheesy. and. But to, I do also, I roll at hosts who are like so schmaltzy and inauthentic yeah. and old school. You know what I mean? Um, but I, with, I'm not going to go into anyone in particular, but yeah, you know. <laughs> do you,
2: do you enjoy going on shows like the view? Like, is that yeah. a fun one or is that an intimidating one?
1: Well, the view is a very specific show. Um, and I have done the view a lot and I write about it in my second book name drop about my experiences on the view. Um, I, I love the view. Uh, I love doing the view. I love watching the view. Uh, but behind the scenes, I mean, Famously, wasn't in in the past at least, has not been a real harmonious place, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you could definitely sort of feel that vibe when you were there back then. Like you
0: could feel the tension between the hosts and stuff when you're walking through there, or just on air. uh,
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you could within talking to the producers, and even in the the vibe in the meetings, and the vibes in the hallway. I don't know how it is now, but that was certainly my my experience. You know, when you walk into a room and people are uneasy or angry or fighting, you can feel that energy, right? Whether it's a workplace or a family dinner, you know that feeling when you walk in. You're like, "What's going on?" Yeah, <laughs> that's what it felt. That's what it felt like.
2: I, see, I don't understand why it would be like that. Is it just that there's competitiveness, or is it just people want to be on air? It's just people talking. Well, I don't understand also why they pick be such,
0: you know women that have very strong opposite opinions. So I think there's also that that they they choose that cuz they want the kind of controversy on air. Would you agree, Russ?
1: I don't know. I I mean, I'm on a lot of shows where I have different opinions than other people and I I think we leave it on the on the stage, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me there was something about the um framework of the production that uh, sort of bred that. Interesting. That, energy and, I, I don't know who I don't know because individually I like them all you know I met them all and liked them but I, there was something going on and I don't I don't know the answer but you, and, someone's in charge so
0: you were pretty close to being the first male host on the view <laughs> yeah like how close yeah. were you to getting that job
1: well as I write in name drop I mean legitimately I was doing the show not thinking I was auditioning until um, I was told that I was and then I was told, you know, we've decided on you. And so we're going to tell the network tonight that, you know, uh, Sherry, Jenny, Whoopi, Bill Getty, we've all decided that we want you. So we're going to... And I was like, oh, my God, get ready to move to New York. And I was on a plane going home. And and I, I, as I write in the book, I splurged on Wi-Fi on the plane because, hello, I'm like <laughs> a co-host of The View now. I can afford it. And, of course, I went to TMZ. And the top story was, you know clean house at The View, Jenny, Sherry, Bill Getty, all fired. (laughs) And I was like, what? What?" So that meeting they were going into with ABC to tell them we want Ross, that meeting was a different meeting. It was ABC telling them, who's Ross and we don't want you. And so that happened. Just like that, it just stopped. All the communication stopped. Yeah, I never heard from them again. Um, And I was on, and I haven't been on again. And I was, you know, 30,000 feet in the air. I think
0: we all have those stories. Like, yes, I, I was like, I, I, I know yes, Adam I has a, that story. I have that story where you're just about to land like a, a dream gig. And then everyone gets fired and you're like, damn, damn. I,
2: yep. Ross, I <laughs> this one always, every time I say this story, it comes out differently because it's so emotional for me. But I met with Matt Lauer. Then I met with the EPs at the today show, 20 hours away from getting something. I even got the gift for the people that helped get me the gig and then just like that everything came out with Matt Lauer and I emailed back the producer and then I never heard anything back from them the next day I read that he got let go and just like oh. that man
0: <laughs> and my mind was oh my entertainment God. tonight like I had met with producers like I was supposed to go there after leaving TMZ and then it just People got let go and I didn't get my job. I was like, no.
1: There are so many factors. That's why any success in this business is a miracle because there are so many factors in the way that you can't control, you know?
2: What was the biggest role or thing that you were that, was that the biggest thing maybe you had that was going to be a game changer in your life, in your career? Like as close as you were, I mean, The View is a huge show, especially being the first male host. Was that the biggest thing that you were, the closest to getting
1: you know yeah yes and at the time like it was not devastating but it was like i mean you know it was like a few swear words you know and then um but then right after that i mean that's when drag race takes off you know so uh it's funny what life does to you and and who knows i i doubt that I, i would have lasted very long on that show um and just and i wonder what the audience how they would have reacted to a man on that show and and so who knows if that would have worked out but life has a different plan for you and uh, i mean look at the success of drag race this is crazy now you know we've won the emmy 3 years in a row it's in all these countries all over all over the world and and i don't know that i would have been on it had i gotten that other gig
0: you know you know the one gig i was actually really disappointed hollywood today live Do you Uh, remember uh, I I don't even know if you remember me coming in? Well, I don't know if he remembers me coming in and auditioning. I was there with you and Garcelle and I had so much fun and I walked out like I fucking nailed that shit. And
1: then it didn't remember. You were
0: great. And then it didn't happen. And I was so bummed. I was like, this was the perfect gig. I loved it. You guys were so fun. And I just remember laughing like the full hour and I'd be like, This is a dream gig. And then it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, uh, they're so great, and that, that's a show I wish too that you know I, I had a little more power with that show because of course you would have been a great fit on on that. And I loved that was a show we did that was like two years uh, daily syndicated show Igar Sal Beauvais and um, Ali Landry and and a bunch of people. That was um, a good one.
2: It was good. It was great. It, you know, it was great. you know, there's been a lot of entertainment news shows or entertainment shows, and most of them I'm not a fan of. But actually, that one, everything from the the visual to the show itself, it was actually a good show.
1: Thanks. We got we got to a real good spot with like a shoestring budget because people really liked it, you know. And that that was one of those little passion projects I loved. And talk about a good gig. I mean, I would get there at seven in the morning. We'd be live from nine to ten, and I'd be like in my car by ten o three a.m. Like, see you tomorrow. That's the kind of gig, man. A live show <laughs> like that is the best.
0: It was a good show. And what? Why do you think that it didn't stick around? Because it was a good show. It was a legitimately you know, I good can tell show.
1: You, I can tell you why, if you want to get into the nitty gritty, I mean, this is a business at the end of the day. And although we had, we actually got really strong ratings, like in big markets, twos in, in Dallas, we were big in the South, the business structure, there are, there are station groups, right? And station groups own stations. They don't make television, but this station group had decided they wanted to make a show and put it on their channels. Um, which was the first of its kind and sort of unorthodox, but it's the way they got it on. And then when they merged with a much larger station group conglomerate, they looked at them like, what are you doing? It's like buying a footlocker and being like, we don't make shoes, we sell shoes. And so they just ended it. Wow. And it was a shame. And it's just because of the way the business structure was set up.
2: So, that and that's what I,
1: that's what you mean, what I mean in this industry, when you, if you get something on the air, ER, it's a miracle.
2: Yeah. You, I was. we're going to get into more, but your book name Drop the really good celebrity stories. I usually only tell a happy hour. How do you, you know, based on your life and you're around so many celebrities and I mean, I know I feel like this because I'm around it so much because you want to be, I'm excited. Like you, I'm a, I'm a pop culture fan and I don't want to feel like a name dropper and you feel like an asshole when you name drop, but it's just your life. You know, you're excited. You want to tell these stories. How do you avoid just not name dropping? Or do you ever feel like an asshole because you do name drop
1: well so no i mean i feel like an asshole all the time but not because i name drop <laughs> i feel like i i was thinking about what book i wanted to write next after my, my first one was about me but you know only so interesting right about growing up in a farm town all that and uh, then i thought oh god i have so many great celebrity stories i could tell um but it'd be so name droppy and then i thought you know what just lean into that that's so hilarious just Just do it. And, you know, I say I always say no celebrity was harmed in the making of this book. Even the celebs that were kind of awful to me, I make kind of make peace with them in the book. And at the end of the day, I am a super fan of pop culture and the people who follow me are super fans of pop culture. So if I don't if I didn't write a book like this, it's almost like telling them that that they're different than me. I am just like every fan of this industry. So this book is for them. And I I stand by it. It's hilarious. uh, It's not mean, uh, but it certainly doesn't hold back either.
0: What what celeb do you think you run into the most? I mean, right now you're in New York. So how about give me a New York celeb that you feel like you just run in the same circles or the same grocery store. And then I'm curious also with (laughs) L.A.,
1: no, I have to think about it. I, I always say I don't have any celebrity friends. That I just have normal people, you know, because I I'm normal. Um, but then that's not true when I think about it. But um, so I'm here recently. So I well I've been doing the Drew Barrymore show just about every day. So I didn't know Drew before this, and now like I love her, and she's incredible, and in exactly how you would imagine her being. Um, what's interesting? So I don't really have an answer of celebrities I run into. Mm, I, I don't, I don't Do
2: think. you, when you do run into celebrities, like if you're in L.A., is it weird for you to run into celebrities because, like, some maybe you don't feel like they know you? Because for me, I've interviewed a bunch of these celebrities multiple times, but I feel like they don't know who I am or remember me. So it's like an awkward encounter when you run into them, like, hey, should I go say hi? Should I not if I see them?
1: I never go say hi unless I know them, you know, um, because it's like, oh, it, it's like, yeah. It, You know, if I worked at like a bank and like Jerry was over there, but I'm like, okay, Jerry's fine, but whatever. And I saw him out, I'd be like, I don't want to talk to Jerry. (laughs) I'm like, my day off. And, you know, so is your rule you wait till they say
0: hi to you if they're a big star?
1: If I know them, like know them, know them, of course they say hi. But if like I've met them once or I know who they are, it's like I'm not going to just assume they know who I am. So, no, I never say anything. No, I'm very different in real life than I am when I have like a microphone in my hand. If I had a microphone and a deadline, bitch, I would be up in their face. (laughs) Right. But when it's normal life, I'm like, I'm good.
2: You've been to the Kardashian Christmas party. What is that like? I mean, is I think a lot of people are just so curious of what that kind of party is.
1: It's so weird. You know, they're actually very lovely, very lovely people. Yeah. And so and 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 invested and interesting and interested and all of that stuff. So I have, I got to know them as they were coming up. I, mean, I was starting Chelsea lately, right when they started. And we all were sort of in that E family. Um, and then, uh, then they got crazy famous and, and I would get invited to the Christmas parties. Couldn't believe it. Every year I got invited. I was like, for again, really? So I would go just cause like, you have to see it. You know, it's Christmas Eve. You want to stay in your pajamas. I get it, but get dressed up and go because Suddenly you're like in line in the buffet with Babyface, right? And then you walk by J-Lo as you go to your table. And then, uh, you know, Kanye sitting across from you. It it is like insanity, the kind of things you see there. Um, Caitlyn coming down the stairs, like right after the Diane Sawyer interview, like the biggest, like the the most talked about person in the world. Oh, hi. hi. Right there. You're having a (laughs) conversation, trying to act normal. And then you leave and there's gift bags. Like one year it was, I swear to God, a pizza oven. What? A pizza <laughs> oven. So cool. <laughs> a pizza oven. That's a and great gift. Like, right. But it's like a huge, you're like, oh, here you go. Pick one up on the walk to your car. It's this huge pizza oven. It's just not normal stuff, you know, but it is sort of normal because they're kind of normal yeah. in, in their way. What, what was the
0: food like at their, their parties?
1: Thanks for asking. It was beautiful, <laughs> right? Like a buffet that was delish. But when I talk about like a charcuterie table, like, you know, like if you saw a big dining room table in a house and you'd be like, that's a big dining room table. Twice that big, all meats and cheeses. Nice. Just for fun. Yeah. I never left that table. I was always right there.
0: And then, so do you still get invited?
1: No. <laughs> so th- no. No. I think they slimmed down the list, right? And I think once Chelsea lately went away, uh, I only got like one year after that. But I, I'm still totally friendly with them, and and I actually write about them in name drop.
2: I write about the Christmas parties and it. Yeah, I mean, is, is people da- are people? Da- what time do they end these parties? Are they like wild? I don't or?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. They may get wild. Well. I get. I go to bed early. I, I live my life like an active senior citizen, you know. And <laughs> I, I wake up early, and I like to i get home
0: (laughs) oh it sounds really fun i mean based on their instagram stories i'm like this looks like it would be so amazing to go to it's
1: interesting to watch i wish i could be there and not be me you know i wish i could just watch it and eavesdrop but you know like when you're me not to sound ungrateful but like I just wish I could watch it and like zoom in on the things I want to zoom in on and pause it and rewind it to see it again. It's so I'm very much in spectator mode when I'm there. Who was the most
0: interesting what? person you met at that party? One of those parties.
1: Um, but I mean, Caitlin, Caitlin, Caitlin was interesting. I remember that we had a conversation after Trump won. Um, and she, we were on a staircase and she had just done Diane Sawyer and, um, She I was like, Are you sure that you're supporting him? I mean, I don't know that like he's supporting you. And she was like, Rash, he said he's a different kind of Republican and I'm gonna go there. And she just was all about it. Um, I don't know how that turned out for her, but
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, did you have a follow-up conversation?
1: No, I did not. (laughs) I would love to, but I did not.
2: Have you smoked weed with any celebrities? Yes. Who was like the coolest one you got to like smoke? Like, oh, this is freaking awesome.
1: I don't know that you're supposed to smoke until It's legal there,
2: but like a drug. But uh,
1: uh, I'll I'll tell you one because she's starting like a a farm, like a pot farm. So Melissa Etheridge, who I love, she's a
2: big stoner. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I remember I was at Chelsea's house once, and like I didn't even really do pot. Now I do gummies, you know. But back then I was like, I don't, I don't know. Um, But she just like she's like, here you go, and she handed me a joint. I was like, if Melissa Etheridge hands you a joint, you take it and you smoke it. (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i did you know that's just one uh i was wearing i remember i was wearing gold shoes like gold nike tennis shoes and she looks at me she goes yeah man honor your path
0: (laughs) (laughs) I i feel like most people like that question comes up and i think most people like love smoking with snoop dogg Right, like I, it's just he's just so famous for it that like anyone that has a chance to do it, they're like, "This is the best." I'm smoking with Snoop Dogg.
1: I've been around Snoop Dogg a, a few times, and I, I think just uh, contact wise, I, I was high, but I didn't smoke with him. Oh, it just he, you know, you, you just had to came just, in the
2: area, and you're like, woo. <laughs> so, see, actually, I want to name a few celebrities with you, and we just want to hear your experiences with them because okay. um, we all have experience. So, I'll start first. Um tom
1: hanks i've never met tom hanks really? wait that's a lie i just remembered i did uh just a real nice high quick interview one time uh but i don't remember what we talked about i don't even remember if it made the piece but it was at vanity fair oscar party but tom hanks is one of those people who i would love to meet because i have a feeling he's exactly like you think he is yeah, don't you think that he's just sort of a nice guy whatever everyone you know says. it's so
2: funny. one time i speaking of being high i was with a buddy of mine we're in the car on park avenue we we little stoned, we're smoking a joint, and next, you know, Tom Hanks comes walking by the front of our car, and we made we just stare at him, and he <laughs> stares back at us, and he's staring at us for like a long time, we're staring at him as he walks by our car, and it was the trippiest thing, we're like, whoa, that was just Tom Hanks, and that wow. was- you know, But in reality, a, he probably so
0: just crazy. glanced over, but because you were high, you were like, he was
2: staring at us for a minute <laughs> long, we made eye contact. <laughs> I could have been high. I could have been a homeless guy. I just thought it was. Nice. <laughs> oh, so who knows? All right, what about uh, here's one more. Uh, so, oh, you gotta um, do another
0: one? Dex, you go. I-, I was gonna say Lady Gaga.
1: Oh, well, you know, I that's the first chapter in name drop. I, I love Lady Gaga and I had never met her. And I can give you the story quickly if you would like. Yeah. Um, yeah. she uh I I was covering the Golden Globes for E and I was up on a platform like with Kelly Osborne. You know, we're up above the carpet. And it's when Gaga won for American Horror story. and uh she was on the red carpet and we sort of locked eyes. She looked up and locked eyes with me. And it was like for a long time, like Tom Were Hanks, you also right? stoned? And,
0: <laughs> no, I
1: was not stoned. Thank you very much. Um, but I was locking eyes. like, And it was like more than just like a glance and a movie, like locked eyes, like she was saying something to me, but not moving her face. And I was like, I'm not looking away until she looks away. I don't understand what's going on. Like, why is she staring at me? And she wasn't blinking anything. And like, then she was pulled away. And I was like, what was that? What? And then about a year later... Um, I was going into Drag Race, season nine, and uh, at that point I wasn't a producer yet, so I didn't know who was on the show. Um, and they said, uh, Ross, it's you know, it's Lady Gaga's here. I'm like, what, oh my God, Lady Gaga, oh my God. So I walk out, Lady Gaga comes out, and she says hi to Rue and Michelle and everyone, and then she goes, Ross, I need to talk to you. I was like, uh, what, what, what did I do? And she says, do you remember the Golden Globes? I was, Yes, that's when we had
0: eye sex. I remember. Uh huh.
1: She goes, "Do you remember seeing me there?" And I was like, yeah. She goes, um, "Do you remember locking eyes with me?" I'm like, "Yes." Yeah. She goes, um, uh, "Earlier that day, I was so nervous because I'm a singer. I'm not an actress, and I, what was I doing there? I'm, you know, these are movie stars, and I was in the hotel and I was shaking, trembling with fear. And someone put on the TV, and do you know who I saw? And I was like." me and she said you and do you know what i said and i was like whatever it was i'm sorry i whatever <laughs> i said i was like so and she goes no you said i just can't wait to see lady gaga and then she turns to her glam squad and she's like you were all there right and they all nodded and then she said so i said out loud i'm going to go out there and do it for ross and all the other rosses in the world <laughs> And then she walked out on that red carpet and saw me. And I said, well, it, were you trying to tell me that when you made eye contact with me? And she said, no, I was telling you, thank you. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, and it was such a reminder of like, you know, when you're on TV, people are listening yeah. and maybe even the people you're talking about are listening. So maybe you should mind what you're saying. And luckily I had sent something nice about her, you know, uh, of course, because I love her. But it kind of blew me away in, 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 in a certain way because I, I never thought that Lady Gaga would ever see me, um, let alone sort of need to hear something that I had to say. And it was a neat moment. That is a
2: great That's moment. That's so cool. Um, Justin
1: Bieber. Oh, Justin Bieber. So I remember I was covering the Nickelodeon, um, uh, awards, whatever kid's choice, I guess. And Usher was walking down and I had to get an interview. I think it was for the insider. And I was like, I got to talk to Usher and Usher was walking down and he was like, I, I, I'm only talking, uh, to people who would talk to my young protege. And I was like, oh, Who the? F- oh my God, they're, they're just going to cut him out. But all right. You know, so I was like, Oh, nice to meet. What is it? Biber? Nice to meet you. Okay. <laughs> Usher, talk to you. And then all of a sudden, this kid blew up. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the kid that was with Usher. Um, And then I've never seen him since. So it turns out my interview didn't matter to his career (laughs) at all. (laughs)
0: What about – I want some big – how about –
1: And I love his new music, by the way, I have to say. So good.
0: I'm I'm going to stick with musicians. What about Beyonce?
1: Oh, yeah. So I did a one-on-one with Beyonce. And I think it was one of the last interviews she ever gave. Um, It was for that movie Obsessed, which I was not obsessed with. Um, but I was obsessed with her and, um, I remember saying to her, you know, Cher won an Oscar, uh, Madonna won a golden globe. What, what is it with this last name? Like just, just do Beyonce. And, um, I just want to say when's the last time you heard Beyonce Knowles? Hmm? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm.
0: I heard. I'm just saying. Yeah. So you, you can, she can thank you for everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, Adam, Um, let's do one more because I want to get onto a speed round. I feel like Ross would be the perfect person to do a speed round with.
2: For sure. Sure. I'm going to do someone kind of random, someone interesting, someone who I haven't heard from in a while. Fergie. Oh, good one. I like that. Oh,
1: I love Fergie. Yeah, I don't I love her. I love um I want her to go back with Black Eyed Peas, you know? I feel like they're great when they're together. I love her so, first for solo album. And then she did a song called Milk Money. Um I love her and she's really nice. I've had dinner with her before at Chelsea's. Um, but yeah, where I don't know why she's not making I, I mean, maybe she's got enough money. She's raising kids, you know. I hope she's dating someone hot.
0: That's the thing. I'm a huge Black Eyed Peas fan, and Mm -hmm. she like just disappeared. I don't get it. She's so talented. Where is she at? Maybe she just like a lot of people just get tired of the spotlight. I feel like they get so famous and so much attention, and then they're just like, you know, I just want to go make my wine in the vineyards and like be done with it.
1: And I think when you have that much money, you know, if you come out with an album and it doesn't do well, you're like, why am I working this hard? Yeah. You know, I'll just I'll just be at my houses.
0: Yeah, exactly. With my kids. I'll hang out with my family Thank rather you. than everyone yeah. else's kids around the world. Okay, so I want to get onto our speed round. This is probably like the most fun thing we do on the podcast is we go speed round. You just say the first name that pops into your mind, celebrity wise. And- uh, Okay, we'll,
1: I'm going to close my eyes while we do this because I don't want to overthink it. Okay. All right, I take gotcha. speed round very seriously <laughs> if I go- <laughs>
2: All right, Adam, you started off. All right, uh, most fun celebrity. Oh, most fun. Ce- Kelly Osborne.
0: All right, the person you see getting the most drunk at parties.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> How about the
0: funnest drunk?
1: <laughs> um. Oh God. Um. Chelsea Handler. Okay. Most intimidating celebrity. Um. Oh God. Um. Dolly Parton. Funniest celebrity. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Close your um, eyes because
0: you're thinking too much. Oh, okay. uh, thinking.
1: Uh, RuPaul.
0: Okay.
2: Rudest celebrity.
1: Oh, God, no. Oh, come on, man. Oh, man. Um, read the book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Matt LeBlanc, we got it. Uh, All right. No. Most generous. Rosie O'Donnell, hands down. Oh, okay. Most fake. Like, they're always performing.
1: You know, in a certain way, I would say, I'm not calling her fake, but like Dolly Parton. I've interviewed her twice and I still have no clue who she is. There's this big persona going on that is perfected and fabulous and interesting and gorgeous, but like, I have no idea who she is. And if you really ask yourself, do you have any idea really who Dolly Parton Mm -hmm. is? No. Okay.
0: All right. I like it. Uh, Best looking in person?
1: Uh, Oh, Tandy Newton is like the most gorgeous person I've ever seen in my entire life. Up close. Okay.
2: Biggest flirt?
1: Um, Maybe like a um, Colin Farrell.
0: Okay. What about the uh, either worst or hardest to interview?
1: Katy Perry is the hardest to interview. Because she wants the joke. Katy Perry, um, uh, uh, Heidi Klum, very interesting. You'd be like, uh, you know, if you say, like, what color is the sky? They'll be like, where is the sky? Is it below me? Or is it, I don't know where the sky is? And you're like, just, it's blue. The answer is blue. <laughs> it's not a joke here. I, <laughs> Do you know what I'm, what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: Has she ever farted yeah. during one of your interviews?
1: No, never. But Heidi Klum did once wax my arm at a uh, at the Golden Globes, which is a weird thing that to is say. a really weird thing. Yeah, she did. Um, I don't because, know why. We had a gift bag and in it was a waxing kit and she just took it out and put it on my arm and like waxed it that's right funny. there.
0: Now we had Michael Yo yeah. on, what was it, last week, Adam? Or the week yeah, before, yeah. Michael Yeo's like, Katy Perry ripped the biggest fart after our interview because it was her end joke for their interview. It was like, are the cameras off? And she just let one rip. <laughs> and apparently she's like you know, a serial farter. Nice
1: more. That makes me like her more. I feel like I'd be friends with her, but interviewing her is tough. She, she wants to like, she wants control. Okay. Um, best to interview. Um, God, I feel like I'm being repetitive. Best to interview. Um, I interviewed uh, a few times Betty White, oh, and I love talking yeah. to her because she, she has a smile. You know, she's someone who loves show business. And so it's like a joy. She's never over it when she's talking to you. She's grateful. She's got a great perspective. Um, and that makes me really happy. She... I, I'll tell you, I, I do not want to emulate her. I will be retired any second now, but I love that she is like, um, in it f- for the long haul and so grateful every step of the way. I love her. I
0: mean, can you think of anyone? I like, I love Betty White. I mean, universally <laughs> loved, Don't you think Betty White is up there? It's like Tom Hanks, Betty White. And like, those are the top two, actually. <laughs> it's
1: like, and puppies and kittens. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
0: i love it okay i think that, are we good with that adam i, I think that was a good fun yeah, round
2: i think that, that was good uh so, uh yeah we're good so how much you enjoy being on rupaul's drag race
1: Oh, that I love that show. You know, I started on it uh, in season seven. I'd been a guest judge a few times before. Um, And it was so fun to see the show that had been so good in its little niche, you know, just explode and become a worldwide phenomenon. And um, it's been incredible to be a part of that to really feel it and be like, you guys, I feel is this happening and to see it and then you know to be nominated for emmys i actually got to go inside i would cover i covered them for you know 17 years before i got to go inside um that was fun and then then to start winning them was like what the hell you know like why to be on that stage and think this is what people see when they're on this stage um it's 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 mind blowing you know but also we're making great television we're making the kind of television show i wish i had as a kid i would watch television and and certainly not see anyone like me represented. I remember being a kid growing up in a farm town in the early '90s and in late '80s and thinking like, what does it mean to be a gay grown up person? Because I don't see one. I don't know what a gay grown up looks like. And now kids are watching drag queens and they're ten years old. And the whole idea is the whole message of the show is about being yourself and celebrating and, as Ruth says, using every crayon in the in the in in, in the coloring book. And. Um, I think it's an amazing show uh, because of that, and um, it's also nice to be on a hit show.
2: Yeah, yeah. Where, where do you? It's crazy how big drag has become, man. Where do you keep your yeah. Emmys, by the way?
1: Don't you worry about that. I, I
2: actually. Um, <laughs> I'm always curious where
0: people. Is it like a mantle? Is it the bookshelf? Is it next to their bed?
1: I like when people are on the news, you know, and they uh, have one Emmys, and they're all they have them behind oh, them, yeah. like, okay, I get it, I see it, it's acknowledged. <laughs> understood i'm just waiting for one of our guests to be like
0: oh it's just in the bathroom it's no big deal but i keep it next to the soap Uh, right
1: no no bathroom i i I, i'll tell you this this year is the first year being um i've been just a a, a, not just but a judge on the show so i'm a producer now on the show and uh season 13 is coming out starts january 1st on vh1 Um, and actually be simulcast on mtv mtv2 pop tv and the cw and uh and this season i think uh, we we shot in quarantine starting in july and it was one of the first productions back in and there were so many hurdles to go through it felt like we are on mars you know we're all bubble wrapped from each other there's glass on the plexiglass between us uh, on the judges panel um, but it'll I, I think about if you put this season in a little time capsule we'll always know that it was a season we shot during Corona yeah. I can't wait for people to see
2: it that's awesome what is what is the tough lesson you learned in the le- in the industry like a lesson you learned the hard way
1: well you know uh, that's a really interesting question and I think it's a great question i I, I was so fortunate to start at the, with the best of the best you know I started on Leno. And uh, that level is very high. That's usually where people try, what people try to reach. And so, in a, in a way, I sort of took that for granted because I didn't know any better. You know, I just thought that was the the status quo. And so, I was grateful I was there. That's how I learned to work. And as soon as I moved on, I realized that people don't always operate at that level. And so, one thing I wish I, I wish I would have known that when I was there, because as it's something that I reference daily in my life, what I learned working with those people. So I wish I could get them together, all of them together again, and just say thank you because um, that training ground was just has proven to be invaluable to me. That's a good answer. Yeah, that's cool. And then we haven't, what we haven't, haven't you done? I was going
0: to say, we haven't mentioned the podcast. That was the one thing I wanted to talk to you about the podcast. Oh, yeah, straight talk. Straight talk. Um, you know, for someone that hasn't tuned in, what are they going to get when they tune in to listen to your podcast? <laughs>
1: It's so bizarre. It's so weird. It's so funny. Um you know, I started my podcast when my show on E got canceled for reasons that were tough, you know, it was pretty shitty. And so I just, in that experience, i found I found it very difficult to to have having, having so many people between me and the audience. You know, I was used to just sort of making jokes and, they made the air and then on, you're on to the next. But this was literally so many people between what I wanted to do and what people saw. And I was so frustrated with that. Um, I decided to make something where nobody could ever be between me and the audience. And that's the great thing about podcast. podcasts is because really when you put your headphones in, it's me talking to you directly. Um and I, so I started with no intention of making money just to almost be like a passion project. And then we just celebrated three, six years, 350 episodes. Wow. And, uh, and, and it found this audience. I really, I don't even promote it on my social media. I don't, it really is my uh, sanity project, uh, but it's got this humongous following and it is completely bizarre. We have huge stars stop by and then we have like, five listening members who i call the loony bin like howard's whack pack howard stern's whack pack that are members so you sometimes it may be a one-on-one interview that's with uh with megan mccain that's very deep or it may be um the loons competing in like uh, a loon idol contest where they're singing you never know what it's going to be and it's just what makes me laugh what i think of what i think is fun and interesting so
2: that's cool man pretty weird Listen, you can check out Ross at the, uh, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race. Let's do his podcast, Straight Talk with Ross Matthews. Read both of his books. Uh, but I love the, the the second one that just recently came out. It sucked because you couldn't even do the book tour. You know? I know. We got, uh, I had
1: 30 cities doing stand up, an hour and a half, 90 minute show, and I got to 23 of the 30 cities and then uh, shut down, man.
2: But the book is awesome. Name out the really good celebrity stories I usually only tell at happy hour. It's fun. It's funny. It's interesting. If you love celebs, you'll love the book. Keep up with him on Twitter and Instagram at hello Ross. Ross, it's uh, you're a great dude, man. It's uh, it's cool to hear your story, and uh, we're fans with you. So when you just you like you you humanize celebrities like we try to do in this podcast, and it's fun to keep up with you. Great,
1: right. hey Ditto, and I'm so proud of you guys. You keep this up, all right? And I, I was when they asked me. Do you want to do it? I was like, are you kidding me? I love you guys. Aww. So thank you for even caring.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. It's, it's always nice when we get an ecstatic response from uh, reaching out to someone's rep and they're like, yeah. yeah, they would love to come on to us. That's a, a nice compliment. Thank, thank you, you, buddy.
1: Brother. Thanks, guys. Have a
0: good one. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> he's fun. He's a really fun guy.
2: He, what a career. He's got two mortgages. He's, pay, you know, like he's 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 living. He's, he's he in the game. Living. He's in the business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's just fun. I like how just down to earth he is. Like, I, I, you you meet some of these people who have interviewed everyone. They they've become friends with the biggest celebrities on the planet, and they have like this attitude. And I feel like with Ross, he's like, no, nah, I'm just still me.
2: That's it. That, this is what you get.
1: Yeah, he's having
2: fun, and I think that's why he does well. Is because he's just very likable, and uh, he's, he's not a lot of. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of energy to control him. Like he's a fan, so it's he's happy to do the work, and he understands the work. He doesn't complain about the work. and He's just happy to be there and appreciative and grateful to be there. I'm glad we had him uh, come on the podcast, guys. The best thing you do to support this podcast is uh, leave a good review and uh, give us a good rating on Stitcher, on iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to the podcast. That's the best thing you do to support this podcast. We need it. We need it, please. Yes, review uh, our show. It helps us. You can actually see this interview. We do a lot of video now. You could go on YouTube on our YouTube page, Hollywood Raw. You could see some of the video of our this interview and of our some of our past interviews. We're also on TikTok. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Check us out on all social media platforms. You can find me at, at AdamGlynn, G-L-Y-N. You can find Dax Holt at, at D-A-X-H-O-L-T. Uh, always a pleasure hanging with you, bud.
0: Bye. Bye. Media Production.